You said your sister-in-law killed a man and a woman here and cut them up? You said they found hands and feet, but they never found any heads. And we're back. Hi. <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for listening to the Q and A episode. Yes, that hope, was fun. Uh, it was fun. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, hope you enjoyed our little impromptu try to come up with questions out of the top of uh, off the top of our heads. That's, if if they didn't like any of it, that was probably the part yeah. they didn't well, like. Whatever. But uh, whatever is right. Mm, that was fun. We <laughs> enjoyed it. Hopefully, you enjoyed it as well. Who knows how much longer that would have kept going on had we not ran out of batteries. That's true. Yeah, we could have talked we about don't have a cord for this fucking thing. Well, remember it doesn't um it doesn't work with the cord. Oh, that makes sense. It well, it just doesn't because the cord is to upload. It's supposed <sighs> to run off batteries. Oh. That's right. We ran we ran into this. Yeah, the only thing that I don't like with it at all is that it will not, it doesn't light up when it gets a low battery. If you if it lit up then Yeah, it should start blinking at you or yeah, yelling at you or something. But I and that's why I constantly check it and then we were just so into our conversation that I didn't look at it and you happen to see the low battery. Meh. Yeah. Well But it's got fresh bats now. We're good. We got bats. We got bats. Not not the kind that will get you. The, the coronavirus, but yes, um, if that's true. Are you ready for the warm-up? Warming up. This is super unrelated. It's actually an article from September of 2019 from BBC.com. I just thought this was fun. Um, this guy named Nigel Smith, who runs the Fleece Inn in Worcestershire. Worcestershire. <laughs> Tenfieldville. He um, realized that in recent years in England and Wales... The name Nigel was not being used anymore. Nigel. Nigel. It was actually on the brink of extinction because in like 2018, not a single person was named Nigel, like that was born. Uh huh. So he decided he wanted to celebrate the dying breed and he invited 432 Nigels from across <laughs> the UK and they ranged from seven months old to 80. Welcome, Nigels! <laughs> and they had Nigel Knight. Nigel Knight? Yes. Um, <laughs> he said he wanted to celebrate their Nigelness. And <laughs> <laughs> he said that um, so people from as far as New Zealand came to. Um, he said a com- comedian named Nigel was, uh, he performed. Two singers named Nigel also performed. Um, and a woman even proposed to her boyfriend who was named Nigel. At the event. If you're not named Nigel, could you come and just witness all the Nigel? I think you, if Nigel-ism? you were allowed to be, if you were with a Nigel, you could be with all the Nigelisms. Okay. But I don't think you were just, al- I don't think it was freely open. Maybe. I don't know. It doesn't seem like it. Um, a convers- <laughs> They said conversation flowed easily because no one had to ask what your name was. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, and he said, but it became very difficult once they got a little more drunk and everyone started yelling out Nigel. Because everyone would turn around. Have you have you seen my Nigel? <laughs> have you seen my Nigel? Um, so he said so many Nigels turned up that they couldn't they couldn't fit them all in the pub, and they had to set up like a, an area outside to fit them. 
the rest of them. Um, so that's just a fun little warm up that there were was a Nigel party. And here's a picture from it. Oh. Oh, it does say some non-Nigels were also allowed. <laughs> some non-Nigel. Hi, how are you? Non-Nigel. Non-Nigel. Um, yeah, so that's fun. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I never thought about the fact that Nigel isn't probably a name that people are still using nowadays. It's a pretty sweet name. I, know, I think so. Wasn't that the name of the dad on the wild thornberries? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Nigel. Nigel. Yeah, almost certain. I might be wrong. I think it is. I like half watched that show. Yeah, half happy. Um, it was uh, it was kind of on the the SpongeBob sitch. No, definitely more than SpongeBob. Well, I saw it, it more, but it was like I'm saying group. it was like it was, but it was a little mm. little young. No, it was there for our age group. It's I'm, just it was kind of on the. Maybe I had just moved on to other shows. I don't know. Probably reading, dork. Anyway. You were reading. Me. Ooh, I read books. Me. I was watching Nickelodeon. I watch Nick sometimes. Nickelodeon. Are you ready for the episode? Uh, yeah. Uh, yes. Oh, do you have something you want to talk about? I was going to talk about our other pod, but Ooh. we could do that at the end. Okay. Well, we could probably maybe do it at the beginning and end in case people like to dip out at the end. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Once we they like got the start getting a, a whiff that it's coming to an end, they're mm-hmm. out. Yeah. So um, just real quick, Daniel and I officially have started our other podcast. It's a vibe. It's a vibe. It's a, it's us reading the Bible. Yeah. Same format as Murd Up, but yes. we're going through the Bible. Yeah. Um, so first episode out, it's Genesis 1, uh, verse 1 through 3, verse 24. So yep. if you want to learn the story about how the earth was created in Adam and Eve. Through? Us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then, Which is exactly like this show, yeah, but then, with uh, the Bible. Yeah, so um, it's a Bible. Our tagline is busting the Bible. No. Busting the good book's balls one chapter at a time. Yes. So uh, check that out. Yeah, it's, it's uh we did episode one mm-hmm. and they're shorter episodes. It's like a half hour. Yeah, they'll probably all be about half an hour, forty five minutes. And it's yeah, pretty great. Pretty awesome. I mean, we've only done one episode, but it turned out pretty fucking great. Yeah, and so. I'm excited to do more. And we will. So. And we will. Yeah, yeah. we don't know if we'll put it out uh, on a certain day, but it'll definitely be at least once a week. At least once a week, yeah. but random. Yeah. At least once, maybe ten times. Possibly. Yeah, it depends. Yeah. On, I mean, we're going to be home a lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Hashtag grown. Yeah, hashtag grown. So uh, check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Ready? Um, there is an Instagram for it already. Yes. It's a vibe. And you can, it's linked on Murdup's Instagram. And both our personal ones. There at us. this very time is nothing posted, but maybe by the time you're hearing this, it will be. We'll have one or two. Yeah. Uh, but you can still go follow it to just know when shit's happening. Yeah. All righty. Uh, episode 96. This is the tale of the Missoula Mauler. Missoula. Missoula. Mauler? Yeah, Mauler. Like a, like a bear? Want a bear? Like a bear. I'm, I'm a, a bear. bear. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Wayne Nathan Nance was born on October 18th, 1955 to parents George and Charlene in Missoula, Montana. The Nances had married in September of 1953. Charlene was 16 when they got married, and George was 24. You the fuck people, or you fuck monkeys? 
and go out with Charlene. Charlene. <laughs> the only thing I think of when I hear the name yeah, Charlene. Charlene. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Go ahead. Um, Sorry to interrupt. No, it's fine. So she was 16, he was 24, and ooh, eight and a half months after their wedding, she gave birth to their first child. Ooh, that's... Ooh, scandal. That's, yeah, that's dirty math mm-hmm, there. Yep. So their first child's name was um, Desiree. She was soon followed by Wayne, who was born in 1955. William was born in 1960, and then the final child was um, Vita. She was born in 1962. Desiree. Desiree. That sounds like... It's a weird name for 1950. Also sounds like... What, uh, six? A girl that... Or, excuse me, 54? We would have gone to high school with. Yeah, definitely. Like, it's actually spelled the same, too. It's like uh, D-E-S-I-R-E-E-E. These are our daughters, Desiree and Cherokee. Oh, okay. I okay. see. I know. Oh, okay. I know where you're I going. I got you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So George was a long haul truck driver, and Charlene was a waitress at a uh, bar called the Cabin. The Cabin. Yeah. George was a large man. Um, they described him as being a brute, and Charlene was a hardworking mother and wife, though she drank a bit too much. Um, the marriage had a lot of ups and downs, as did their finances, and they did not have a secure future for their ever growing family and no permanent roots. They lived basically trailer to trailer just kind of like oh well now we need a trailer for three kids oh well now we need a trailer for four kids mm. yeah and um they fought a lot um they yelled at their children a lot especially wayne who was quote always in trouble and was known for having a bad temper and being hard to control so wayne was a really pale kid um he had curly red hair red hair and Oof. yeah yeah, he's, he's very much Chucky. And he had steely um, and penetrating eyes that people said, quote, weren't cold, but weren't warm, warm either. It's not a good look. No. No. Um, Wayne had a really bad temper from very early on, and he loved making trouble. He was one of those kids that when you punished him, he just thought it was funny, which is the worst. Yeah, the worst. Yeah. Uh, he became prone to fist fights um, as early as first grade, and he was suspended from school in the third grade for fighting on the bus. Wayne was also, quote, highly unique. He could be humorous, though he normally went for, like, a macabre or very bleak situation uh, or um, comment. Um, and <clears throat> his friend said as a child he was obsessed with monsters, and that obsession turned darker and evil as he got older. So more into, like... Um, he went from, like, monsters to, like, being obsessed with, like, Satan and the devil. Ah. Yeah. And then he got into, like, the occult. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So at the age of eight, a neighbor watched Wayne. So the the he lived in a trailer park. And in the middle of the neighborhood, they had an incinerator where you went and burned your trash. And the incinerator had the door, this door that you could kind of prop open. Because there were these kittens in the neighborhood that would come and huddle close to the door so they could feel the fire when it was cold. So a lot of people just kind of when the the fire was like stoked and it was kind of down a little bit, they would leave the door a little propped open so the kittens could be warm. The trailer park kittens. The trailer park kittens. So the the kittens are out there one day and a neighbor had just finished his trash, had walked back to his trailer, which just happens to be like right down the road. And he happens to see Wayne walk past and stop by the incinerator. So he just watches what he's doing. And Wayne stands there for a minute. 
he watches the kittens and like what's going on and then all of a sudden he just walks up he opens the door and pushes the kittens into the fire and shuts the incinerator completely oh i mean i was expecting something awful Awful? happen to the kittens yeah no he just shoved all of them in the burning incinerator and then shut the door and this guy just watched it happen yeah oh what is he what the yeah he said he said that it was like before he could even think it happened and it's like well now it's done and he didn't have the guy that watched him said that he only had two young daughters and he had already had a confrontation with george um wayne's father where wayne had done something weird and they had talked to george about it and george was like well that's just what boys do so he was like maybe torturing and killing animals is just what boys do that's what boys do even though he's a dude himself and i assume did not do that but probably not i think also it's a time where you don't really i mean obviously george has already been unreceptive so maybe he was just like well he's not going to do anything anyway so needless to say that happened classmates also said that wayne um would brag about skinning cats alive a lot but they thought maybe he just said that to like terrify the girls in class because they'd always be like "Ooh, that's gross why would you do that that's so mean so they thought like maybe he was just saying it to like stir up the girls in class because again he's like 10 yeah so in december of 1968 the family's hurting for money and george is freaking out about what to do and on the night of the 14th he comes up with a really stupid idea He thinks it's a genius idea, but it's obviously going to be stupid. He stops at the Super Save store, which is about to close. He walks in, walks up to the counter, and calmly demands that the cashier give him all the money in the cash. Oh, that's his... In the register. His genius idea. Yeah, to rob this place. All right. In this small town that's got about 60,000 people. He walks um, the man into the back where the safe is. He has the dude open it, and then he binds the guy's wrist with tape and then pistol whips him, knocking him out. Damn. He grabs the money, and George is like, he's he his intention is to make a run for it out the back door. But I guess to throw off anyone maybe who was coming in, or I, I'm not really sure what his thinking was here. He grabs a salt brick. And throws it through the front window, which shatters the entire storefront. I'm not really sure what his intentions were for doing that. It just seemed like it was a distraction or an added damage. I I really don't know what his thoughts were. Okay. And what he doesn't know is that in the parking lot of the Super Save... It is a Brinks armored truck who had just pulled up to get the money from From the the store. Yeah, for the store. So... He pulls up as the front window shatters, and this Brinks guy is a Brinks guy, so he's like, 911? <laughs> Somebody just shattered the front window of this uh, store. Can you come help? I'm not sure what's going on. So two cops just happen to be around the block, and they show up within a minute. So now George is trapped inside of the store because he can't leave through the front because there's two cops in the Brinks armor guy back there and he can't get to his car which is in the front so he could leave out the back but his car's still in the front parking lot so he's still trapped so needless to say um he gets arrested yeah makes sense uh a couple weeks later he pleads guilty to armed robbery and they throw the book at him they give him five years in prison damn so when george uh, when wayne was 13 george is sent away and he's kind of basically out of the picture for the most part for a while So by this point, Wayne has grown up some. He's um, stronger than he appears. He gives the hint um, that he's like kind of a 
not a really like strong dude but they like everyone said that like you could feel the strength when he would like shake your hand or something it was like one of those where it was like he was deceptively strong um they said that he was built to play football but obviously not a team player he did wrestle uh he was in the 145 155 pound mm-hmm. um but he only wrestled for like a year or so it wasn't really not really a sports dude yeah i can't really see him being down with practice no definitely not didn't like people telling him what to do so clearly not into that he was a definitely a loner though the kids in class liked him enough they just didn't hang out with him because he was a really weird dude uh wayne was a he was a decent student he had good grades he read a lot Uh, most of his peers asked him questions because he always seemed to know stuff um specifically when it came to sex or anything taboo he was like one of those kids that it's like you were like, hey, what does this term mean? And he would just be like, oh, you've never heard that? Here is a whole digest. And how, and how would he know? Because he read a lot. Oh. A lot. Did you say that? Yes. He read a lot about sex? He read a lot about everything. He liked being the guy that knew stuff. And then you pee in the girl. Yeah. And then it's over. And then it's over. So there you go. Now yep. you know. <laughs> um, he was also a great artist, uh, clearly unique in his talent. His art teacher said he was technically perfect, but that his work was, quote, dark and violent. Um, and that the, they were themes that the, quote, average person would not like. So he would perfectly draw the devil. Yeah. But fucking Jesus. Mm-hmm perfectly yeah he could draw perfectly it was just always really dork yeah as a teenager wayne grew even weirder he began carrying a knife with him always he thought he was really good at hiding it but then it fell out of his uh, pocket one day in class and he didn't notice it this a knife knife like or a, a pocket knife no like a knife knife like okay. a hunter a hunting knife got it so he would carry it on him it fell out in class one day and he didn't notice it right away <laughs> And he goes running out the door and everyone else in class is just staring at it. And then like a minute later, he comes back in and is like, Uh, just picks it up off the floor and mm -hmm. walks out again. So he carried a knife. Um, He uh, he always he started wearing a plastic shrunken head around his neck like it's a necklace. That'll that'll get more people to hang out with you. Definitely. And then one day he showed up in class with a slightly infected carving of a pentagram in his arm. Oh, he carved a pentagram. He said two different stories. He said one is that he took like a paper clip or like a uh, or some metal and like made it into a pentagram and then lit lit that and then burned it. Yeah. And then other people. Was it a brand or an incision? Well, people just described it as just a a an infected pentagram so okay yeah. so it was all just it could rusty and yeah, shitty looking yeah either way either way he also Yikes. um yeah definitely. and this is Yikes. the this is 1974 wow. 73 or 74 yeah wow he also loved doo-wop music doo-wop yeah yeah that fits mm-hmm. he would loudly sing in the hallways at school and sometimes just burst out in song in class his favorite to sing was blue moon <sighs> yep Wayne also had a love for pointy things. He loved sharp objects, um, which obviously made other people nervous. And he even once stabbed one of his classmates with a syringe because he found out that kid was afraid of needles. He thought it would be funny. Oh, my God. Where did he get a syringe? He just had it on him because he likes pointy things. I just like pointy things. I love tits from the 50s, (laughs) knives, sharpened pencils dicks (laughs) 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 
So once he turned 17, Wayne started a part-time job at, um, it was after school, it was at uh, Taco John's. Damn, that yeah. sounds like somewhere so, I would want to go. Yeah, it was a fast food place, so I would assume it's um, kind of like a, maybe a Taco Bell-like. Or maybe Taco Bell came along and uh, Bought him up. gobbled him up. Probably. Uh, he said th- there, his friend said that he started discussing another interest of his, which was wanting to kill someone before he turned 19. I wonder what he looked like in his Taco John's outfit. I hope there's a picture. That's what I mean. Like, I can imagine the shirts being like <sighs> yellow and brown. Oh, absolutely. And he's got his fucked up pentagram scar and he's wearing the shrunken head at work is it it's grind right where he works at the taco place it's like a chili place it, or something is it isn't a chili it? place i thought it was a taco place Pretty maybe sure it is it's a chili a, place it's been a while that's what i i think of when i think of wayne at <laughs> taco john's um maybe it is a chili what can place. i get you uh absolutely nothing i i'm gonna i'm i want to go now yeah i would like to go you look super weird super weird you look want, like you're gonna kill someone i want no tacos from you yeah um, and so at nine, at 17, he is, he starts talking about wanting to kill someone before he turns 19 for some reason. That's just a goal of his bucket list, bucket list. And he starts obsessively talking about the occult to the point where pretty much everyone starts like, they're like, we're not listening to you. Well, it wouldn't be a bucket list if he says by 19. Well, that's what I'm like saying. Like he gives himself a time period bucket list. Yeah. Um, so n- 1974 is not a great year for Missoula, Montana. On February 5th of that year, a five-year-old named, and I did not, I meant to look up how to say her name. It's S-I-O-B-H-A-N. S-I-O. I'll show you. Let me see. It's this word. So, Soban? Soban? Let's say that. Okay. Well, it may not be right, but... Or Suban. Maybe Suban? Suban? Suban sounds right. Because like Suchi, like Suchi. Yeah. Like the oh, yeah, S-O-I. Yeah. Let's say that. Um, Suban? Do we need to say her name a bunch? Um, or is that a m- no. male? No, it's a woman. It's a, or excuse me, it's a little girl. girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, her last name is McGinnis. I could just say little McGinnis, but... <laughs> little McGinnis. <laughs> we'll call it little S. <laughs> um, what do we what do you say? Suban? I think it's... Subon? Subon. So Subon went missing as she was walking home. So it was a three blocks from her friend's house to her house. And her mom, her basically the neighbor walked um, the little girl from that. She walked one of the blocks with her. And then uh, Subon walked the other two blocks. But you could basically see her the whole way. So uh-huh. the mothers were never really that weird. Her neighbor sees her approach her front door, but then look back towards the street and then walk up to a man who's at the like the um, sidewalk okay and the neighbor turns for a second to get something turns back and she's gone oh way to go neighbor yeah well really good work yeah this this seems weird yeah i'm gonna take my eyes off of it for a second Mm -hmm. yeah so over the next two days um well i I think again it's she this neighbor is just kind of happened to see her walk up to her front door she's not supposed to be watching her anyway either way (laughs) when i see something weird going down outside yeah you kind of keep an eye on it i just stare at it yeah i think we've we've said before that like there's sometimes that little kid on the bike she'll like like, where the fuck yeah are the parents and then the parents are a football Football. field behind them Mm -hmm. like oh Oh. but i won't stop looking at them until they're back together because that's super weird yeah i agree there's a three-year-old just wandering around also we would probably be able to get downstairs and out of the house quicker than they would down the 
for sure. Yeah. Um, so anyway, over the next two days, the entire town works together and forms a manhunt to look for a uh, little... Um, wait, oh, S- Saban? Just say S. <laughs> the yeah. FBI eventually joins in and authorities conduct um, house-to-house searches to try and find out what happens. During these investigations and searches, they find out that there's another little girl who... Um, another five-year-old in the neighborhood who had been swayed to follow a man to an empty house a week before this happened she had he had tried to molest her and she was able to get out and get to help um and she gave the men a full or the cops a full description of the man she said he was medium built in height he was about 18 to 20 and he had red curly hair uh so they can't find out what's going on with s but but how would you grab a child she, he didn't grab it, her. Oh, he lured, lured her. her. Lure, yeah, that word. But you're saying, did she get all the way into the house? Mm-hmm. And he she tried got into to the house, and by the time when she, once she got into the house, she realized that the situation was not what oh, she thought. So it was. before he could even get his hands on her she, she was bolted. back out the door okay that's what i didn't understand mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense it that sounds you would like be... he probably i didn't see what the the information but it was probably like oh i like we're having a party over here yeah, and she walked in and nothing dogs. was in this house yeah yeah well, i was just confused that a very small child could, could get escape. away yeah that didn't make any yeah. sense no i think that's what it was is that got so into even, the house yeah. never really got the molesting uh-huh. yeah um so anyway they have they're like well we don't know what's going on with with who we're looking for but we have a report of a possible uh other option you know kidnapping yeah uh we're looking for a q-tip dipped in <laughs> carrot juice With a taco shirt on. With a taco shirt on. Um, So nothing's yielded about little S. Um, Through the end, uh, so the morning of the third day, a man finds her frozen remains about 10 miles east of town. Frozen? Is it winter? This was February 5th. Oh, okay. Yeah, February 5th. Um, And where are they at again? uh, Montana. Ah, Mm -hmm. Okay. So she's her she's found she's found having been stabbed twice in the chest, hit twice in the head on the very top of the skull. And they said that there was some question if she had been sexually assaulted. Eventually, they revealed that she fought her attacker, um, though she had ultimately lost. That's why she had the like on the very top of her skull, because he was like hitting down right on her head. Using, excuse me, the handle of the knife. Um. Probably, yeah. Um, they, I don't. It didn't say it, but I would assume so. Okay. They said that she had eventually lost. She had been left for dead, but had not died right away. They said, in fact, she had lived at minimum eight hours. Oh, at no. maximum twelve hours, oh. and that she had crawled from the original site of her attack closer to the road in hope of being seen and by she a passing stabbed? car. Stabbed twice. And in the chest, donked on the head twice, and a five-year-old then crawled. The, it was it was oh. uh, at least a football, a half football field. Oh, I don't want to hear that. Yeah, that's uh, awful. Yeah. So the man who found her body said he drives past that point every day, and he had seen a an older modeled green Cadillac sitting there the night of the fifth and then a middle-aged man had been driving the car. So this is a different description than what the little girl in the neighborhood said. He's saying middle-aged man. She oh, said young great. kid. Now this new guy, the, the new description is muddying up the waters. So a week later, 
sort of. But then a week later, the suspect from the attempted kidnapping turns himself in, takes a polygraph, and authorities confirm that he's ruled out as the suspect to who little Sabine's uh, to little S's murder. The the middle aged guy. No, this is the redhead. So Wayne. It's never confirmed if it was Wayne, and I assume that it's because he probably never got fully convicted for it. Okay. Um, but yeah, it, the thought is is that Wayne turned himself in and took a polygraph polygraph and passed it, okay. and so they ruled him out as a suspect. They thought they can't be connected because because this machine is flawless. Yeah, well, they didn't know it then. Also, they couldn't find a green Cadillac in town. Ugh. So they thought uh, maybe that was just a coincidence that there was a green Cadillac there. So April 11th, this is a couple weeks later, on April 11th, um, Donna Pounds, she's a woman who lives in the same neighborhood as Wayne. She's been on a ride-along with a girlfriend who worked for Avon. Um, They were just making some rounds, delivering stuff. Donna and her husband, Harvey, were selling their house, and the real estate agent had people in and out of the house all day, so she was just getting out for a little bit of, you know, while the showings were happening. Um, Donna and her husband were, uh, his name was Harvey, they were um, devoted Christians. They had met at a Bible institute and had just recently celebrated 22 years of marriage. They had three children, Karen, who was 20, she was living at home um, and working, Kenny, who was Wayne's age and had recently joined the army, and Kathy, who was 12. Um, Donna worked part-time at the Christian bookstore in town, and she volunteered at the hospital. And Harvey worked as a fundamentalist preacher, and he also sold men's suits and shoes at a downtown store. He was also the local Christian radio DJ. Oh, bitchin'. Yeah, bitchin'. So around 1.30 p.m., Donna arrives home from her just going around with her friend, um, dropping off Avon stuff. And she walks in her house, which is unlocked. Not that weird because, again, she's got real estate agents she has a real estate agent in and out doing showings. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's three kids in the house. So not really that weird that the house is unlocked during the middle of the day. Donna, in, Donna enters the house. She makes the walk to the master bedroom, um, which is at the very end of the hallway of the bedrooms. And she walks in and realizes a man is standing in her beside her bed. And he's wearing gloves and pointing a gun at her. Oh, and the gun is her husband's 22 Luger, which was locked away in a hidden gun cabinet that they had had custom built and only the pounds knew how to operate. Uh, 22 Ruger. Yeah. What did I say? Did you say Luger? I might've said Luger, but Ruger is what I meant. Uh, is this a pistol or a rifle? It's a pistol. Pistol. Yeah. 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 Um, Donna is forced onto the bed. She's tied at the wrist and ankles. Her clothes are cut away with a knife, like, it's very obvious, a slice through kind of everything. Uh-huh. And of course she's raped. Um, her attacker then unties her feet, moves her to the basement of the house. He has her kneel where he re um, ties her ankles and then he tapes her mouth shut. And as she kneels on the basement floor, he shoots Donna execution style four to five times in the back of the head. Why? Why, mo- why more than one know. time? I don't know. And as she, so she slumps forward. He opens her legs, takes the gun, and inserts it into her vagina. Ah, uh, for what? Does he just leave it there? Just leaves it there and leaves the oh house. Oh my god, what a fucking piece of garbage! Oh yeah, definitely. And what is? I mean, I know we'll get there, but what is? Well, never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Go ahead. I forgot about the cats. This is a slow build. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, at the, as the attacker ran from the house, a neighbor in the area saw him 
Saul just saw a man running. She didn't realize, obviously, he had killed someone. Uh-huh. Um, but she said that he was carrying... She saw someone running through the field from the Pound's house to the trailer park, which was on the other side of the field. Uh-huh. And he was carrying a black bag. So she just noted there was a dude running through the field really fast with a black bag. Didn't know anything more than that. Seems pretty normal. Yeah. At 6 p.m. that evening, Harvey... Donna's husband comes home. He finds his youngest daughter, Kathy, on the couch with a friend watching TV. He's like, hey, where's your mom? And she's like, I don't know. She's She hasn't been here. And he's like, she hasn't been here? And he's like, yeah, she hasn't been here. And the door was unlocked when I came home. And he was like, okay, well, again, this isn't that weird because of what's going on. Yeah. And his daughter's not really answering him because she's got a friend and she's watching TV. So he's just like, whatever. So he goes to walk down the hallway. And then Kathy's like, hey, all of the beds have ropes tied around them. And the um, the rug in the hallway is really messed up. I'm not really sure what's going the on. The daughter says that? The daughter says this casually right. as she's watching TV. Hey, there's ropes on all the beds. Did you do that? She, uh, thinks he, she thinks her dad was pranking her for some reason. He's like, uh, that's weird. So as he walks past again, the master hallway or master bathroom is at the end of the hallway. Master bedroom is at the end of the mm-hmm. hallway. As he walks past the two girls' rooms, he looks in and he can see ropes on all of the points of the beds the posters what the fuck Are, so he was he planning on it seems like he was planning on working this whole family the whole family out, yeah but then only did the but she was the only one home okay um so he walks past kenny's room and there's no ropes on kenny's bed but kenny also hasn't been here because he just joined the army, army. so he gets down to their hallway or to their bedroom he looks in he sees the ropes and then he sees her his wife's clothes on the floor and that there's a slice down the middle and then he sees on the bed the holster to his gun and this this is so bad i can't imagine what this dude is like just it's slowly starting well and then he realizes that there's only one room in the house he has yet to look which is the basement yeah so he immediately goes to the basement finds his wife calls the authorities um the authorities start of course, interviewing people and the next door. So then, then that neighbor reports, Hey, I just saw a man running across the field with a black bag. Fuck. Um, and the next door neighbor to the pounds said, I saw Wayne Nance standing in the backyard uh, today, taking their clothesline off of the pole. Straight up. Th- not a guy. No, Wayne Not Nance. a super ginge. Named him. Named him. Yeah. And he was pulling the clothesline off of the pole, which they later determined was what was actually wrapped around the beds. Oh, uh. Not rope? No, it was clothesline. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, immediately, the authorities go to speak to Wayne, who says, I skipped school to stay home and work on a project. The school can confirm that he was he didn't go to school, but no one can confirm his alibi because I stayed home to work on a project. he doesn't have one. Yeah, he doesn't have one. Um, however, one of the other... So there's, there's two basic lead investigators on this, and... Everyone else looks at Wayne because this person physically said Wayne's name and he has no alibi. But one of the investigators is like, mm, I think Harvey did it. What? The, the, the husband? husband? But but where is it coming from? Are you just trying so hard to think outside well, the box? No, there is a bit. So Harvey does have a bit of an issue with his alibi. And the authorities had found out that the couple was actually having uh, marital issues, that Harvey had been cheating on Donna with one of his... Um, the members of his church who's so also con- married. That's confirmed. That's confirmed. Okay. And they can't, that that 
the the marriage was so bad that the couple should have divorced, but they can't because they're devout Baptists. So they uh, don't believe yes. in divorce. So there was marital issues. And Harvey spent 45 minutes out on his lunch, which wasn't normal for him. He didn't normally take a lunch or he took a shorter lunch. And they said that 45 minutes was plenty of time for him to leave his work, go home, kill his wife and come back. So because no one can account for just this 45 minute span that happened about the same time that she was killed, Uh they felt like that was enough to at least suspect that Harvey could have done it. Okay. Well, I mean, you, at least you've got something. Yeah. Uh, others in town had other ideas because, of course, again, there's another girl who, a, a tiny five-year-old who had been murdered in town a couple months before. They thought that there was a sa- satanic cult. and Thought it was a squad doing yeah, this? Well, they thought that, or, or that someone was trying to, you know, practice Satanism or something. And the more and more this is discussed, the more and more um, people who believe Harvey start pushing this idea and Harvey starts pushing this idea because he's like, well, I know I'm innocent, but I'm also a Christian. And all the signs, like uh, uh, a little kid is murdered. A mother is murdered. It all, all the signs lead Why to Satanism. Why is he pushing not towards that, but towards the person that was the other person? I don't know. Wayne. I think, I don't, I don't. Well, we've got, it's I think you. he was just telling them like, you need to figure it out that Wayne could still be part of it, but he thought that it had something to do with that, that either if Wayne still was part of it, that he was doing it for a, a satanic cult. Oh, okay. So they're kind of clumping, clumping those the two, two together. Because again, Wayne has been talking about the occult for years. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. But if I was... And he wears a shrunken head. If I was the dad, I would be knowing that I didn't do it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd I would be definitely be pushing it on him. every finger I have at Wayne. Yeah. Seeing how someone said they saw him specifically. In my backyard. Exactly. So um, the it really only makes Harvey look more suspicious to this one investigator. Because he's trying to push it off so hard? Yeah, because he's trying to push it off so hard. And this guy's just got a bone out for Harvey. I'm not really sure why. Well, they probably he's probably uh, had other cases. Oh, yeah. Where it's been, been the husband. I mean, cause that oh, I mean the probability happens. is typically that it's and someone you know who does someone it. Someone you know, yeah. And... The theory, and again, because of the affair and the marital issues, yeah. it's not, it's not it's a, a blatant, it. like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they speak with Kenny. So again, Kenny's the son of Don and Harvey. Kenny is friendly with Wayne. They went to school together. And Wayne had been to the Pounds' house several times and was familiar with the layout of the house and also was aware of the hidden gun cabinet and knew how to operate it because Tenny, Kenny himself had taught him. Yeah. It's like, hey, you want to see my dad's gun? Well, they just, they would, they would, the Pounds were um, fully, oh, they were a gun family. They made sure that their children knew gun safety and knew how to operate a gun. Yeah. So Kenny was allowed to go sh- get a gun out of the gun uh, safe and go shoot. So it would be a thing where Wayne would come over and like, hey, let's go get a yeah. r- get your dad's rifle All and right, shoot so the gun. All right, so there's one mark against the dad that you can't like hold up against him. Yeah, because you know that would be one thing where it's like, well, you're the only one that would be able to get into the it's like, well, now safe. the other suspect also. All right, you, so yeah. drop that. Yep. So finally, the authorities go to Wayne's house and his, he's not there, and his mother's like, yeah, Sh- Charlene's like, yeah, you can search the house, and they find a black bag similar to the description that the woman said uh-huh. and 
And inside are spent 22 casings, as well as unused 22 bullets. And they also find a pair of um, uh, Wayne's underwear that has a blood stain on it. What? Yeah. But they Did he get his period while he was in there? <laughs> well, so the thing that I felt wasn't really necessary to mention about Donna is that she had been on her period when this happened. So one of the things he... So when he raped her, he had actually pulled out her tampon. Oh, and then he put his jam back in. Th- and she... And it was... It was probably her menstrual blood. super I gross. felt like it was unnecessary to... Not a detail we needed. Yeah, but then you asked about it, so <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, that was probably more than likely what the blood stain was, but at the time, DNA testing wasn't really a thing anyway. Got it. So they had this evidence, but they really couldn't confirm anything on it, and it had been washed. And Charlene said, yeah, I washed those underwear. Um, he had a stain, and I was trying to get it out, and it didn't come out. So uh, then Wayne goes to school and basically confessed to killing Donna. So he said that like he would say stuff to people at school and they'd be like, you know, I'm like, I'm like suspect number one in that. And people would be like, well, why? And why would they think that if you did, if you didn't do it? And he would be like, well, maybe I did. Well, okay. Can we scoop this kid up now? They do. And they question him and he does a polygraph and he passes again and again, DNA comparisons, not technology yet. So there's no physical evidence to tie Wayne to Donna's murder. So they can't charge him. So he has to be released. And less than three months later, he graduates high school and joins the Navy and heads out of town. Awesome. In February of 1976, a local attorney who no one really liked, this guy named Gil Wooten, was found at a friend's home dead from an apparent suicide. The weapon had been a bolt-action rifle, and authorities thought it was an open-and-shut case until they actually started looking at the crime scene. The curtains behind Gil were clean, so you know. Couldn't have blown his own dome off. Well, when they opened it, they found blood and brain matter on the window. So it was clear that somebody had shut, shut the, the curtains, curtains after the yeah. act. Um, and they also noticed that the rifle had been wiped clean and later that the trajectory determined that the bullet had been fired from across the room at eye level. So clearly didn't kill himself. Yeah. Um, and there's no powder burns found on Gil's person. So that happens on Easter day in 1976 so um same year there's this girl named verna she's late to lunch at her mother's house which is about 56 uh, miles from missoula it shouldn't take that long she was planning to leave at 10 a.m they were having dinner at noon when she didn't show up at noon they were like this is weird when she didn't show up by one they started getting a little worried they started calling her house no answer by 1 30 still not there they decide to call the missoula police and say hey can you just do a wellness check at her house police go out to her house they check they knock on the door they don't get an answer they can hear a dog barking inside but all the doors are locked they peer in the one open window everything looks great they head out her mother calls back at 4.15 and they say, hey, you know, maybe she got stuck somewhere. Maybe she just didn't come. I don't know. Just wait a little longer. 6.15, she calls back and they're like, just wait a little longer. And yeah, Velma's because you like, know, something really is wrong. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's uh, just wait a little longer. Let's let that ride yeah. for a while. Yeah. So Velma's like, fuck this. So she calls a family friend who is the county sheriff in her area. And she's like, can you do anything to help me? And the county sheriff's like, yeah, I'll come pick you up. Let's drive the hour to Missouri, Missoula. And we'll go with the city cops over to her house. So they do. 
Lights are off. Doors are still locked. No answer. So they break a window in the basement. One of the cops comes up, and as he unlocks the front door, he realizes that Verna's slippers are at the front door, and they look like they've been kind of like haphazardly kicked aside. Mm Mm-hmm. So he, they ask the mother to stay outside while they search the house. And they start searching the house, and they go into Verna's bedroom. They find her naked on the bed, dead. She has a knife directly between her breasts, and it's all the way down to the hilt. They said the hilt, the Ugh. way that the, the hilt of the knife looked, they thought it was a butcher knife. It actually ended up being a steak knife, like a kitchen steak knife. Yeah. Yeah. So like seven, eight inches. Yeah. Um, so, uh, they said that Verna had opened her front door to her death. So basically she opened the door and was stabbed immediately. Oof. Um, and that she had, it, the stab had gone with so much force that she had been knocked out of her slippers. Damn. So that's why they were like haphazardly laying. No fingerprints were found, but there was semen left on her thigh, which they collected, but again, couldn't really do much with at the time. The authorities immediately checked out Harvey and Wayne's alibis and found that they um, both worked, quote unquote. They didn't look into Wayne's very far, though. Wayne was in the Navy and his uh, um, authorities said that he wasn't on leave, but nobody bothered to check to see if he had actually left the base or not. They just said, oh, he wasn't on leave. And so they're like, oh, well, then he couldn't have left. Why don't you do your more job. of your job? Well, they also said his blood type didn't match that was that what was found in the semen. But again, those tests were in development stages, so that could have just been a negative test. So um, he starts getting into trouble with his job at the Navy, and he gets booted from one program to another. And they said that he finally gets basically demoted pretty far due to a clear demonstration of unreliability two years later in september 1977 he's caught twice with weed and once again with lsd and finally in november they just discharge him altogether. so they discharge him for misconduct and he moves home to his parents house so that was in 1977 and a couple years go by in 1980 in january railroad workers find the body of a young woman near i-90 the corpse is badly decomposed and it was determined that she had been sexually assaulted and stabbed to death um she was wearing a flower print dress but had no identification and so they gave her the nickname betty beavertail so at this time the there are several unsolved cases in town not just donna's murder but you know still when do you say that you have a serial killer well, they haven't really connected. Oh, they're not connecting. Mm-hmm. They, you know, the ones Donna they think is either Wayne or Harvey. Um, little S, no idea what's no what idea. hers is. They, 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 they still may think this middle-aged man and a and green there's no like. It's not caddy. like they've all been tied up and they, shot in the back. Exactly. Of the, head. the one, the attorney was. It was a self-inflicted gun. I mean, yeah. again, they thought they've it was a different. suicide. It's kind of all different. Do you need a certain even if things do match up? Like an is mo? It, is it like? Is it three? Tori, you'd be like, I think we have a serial killer. Typically, it's three. Yeah, yeah, the three and and the with similarities. With similarities, and um, more than likely, there's some form of a resting period. Uh huh. Um, in between them, so it's not going to be like three in one day. Got it. If it's three in one day, it's more of a spree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so so that was in January and April of that year. Uh, Wayne's parents, so Charlene and and George. George is out of jail now. They get into a fight um, at the cabin where Charlene works, and she's drinking. (laughs) And she leaves the bar, gets in her car, speeds away, 
and George is in an aging truck, so there's no chance he's going to catch up. So he just goes home, waits it out. This has happened a lot before. You know, again, they fight a lot. Yeah. He's like, oh, she'll eventually show up and we'll finish this discussion. So about an hour later, he hears a car pull up, assumes it's Charlene, and is pretty surprised when there's a knock at the door. He opens it and it's the cops to inform him that Charlene is dead. Oh. She hit a tree head on. Uh, I was going to ask. There was no evidence of her slowing down and a lot of evidence of her being completely aware that there was a tree in her, her path. Oh, you think she did it on purpose? That's what the authorities were got, saying. Got loaded. And that she got loaded and just kind of done with everything. Yeah. Um, so, wow. so the kids, Desiree is now 27, Wayne's 25, Bill is 20, and uh, Veta is 18. And obviously they're saying goodbye to their mother. And within a month, their grandfather dies and leaves them their father, the, his house. So uh-huh. they now go finally from a trailer a into real a real house house yeah so wayne fills the house with all of his favorites uh pointy things what? Uh, knives swords he just starts hoarding why is, everything why is the whole family going there when most of them are all of adult age and then should be on their own well they were already all living together still anyway i think it's because the parents always struggled so once the kids got old enough they just helped contribute because they'd oh, okay. always had struggled Got it. Yeah, it seems that's a lot of people to be living yeah, I mean, in a trailer. All, what the youngest one is eighteen? Eighteen, yeah. So And the oldest is twenty seven. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? That's yeah, kinda crazy. Um <clears throat> I'm sure that they probably started moving out a little bit after that. I mean it I didn't see evidence that um Desiree or uh Desiree was her name? the oldest one that she was there terribly long. Yeah. But uh anyway, Wayne was in university, he's going to school now. He, so he got kicked out of the <clears throat> Navy. He got kicked out of the Navy. And now he's going to school. Yeah, he's going to school. And he had a pretty bad start at first. He wasn't doing very well when he first started college. But um, by the time his mother died, he was actually doing pretty well in school. His grades were up. He was on a dean's list. But after his her death, he took that summer school, um, that summer semester off. He had been taking school in the summer just to keep, you know, keep it going so he could finish faster but after his mother died he took off that summer um semester and then he flunked his fall semester classes and then he just dropped out so he was doing really well and then his mom died and he obviously out of school so on july 3rd that year it was a hot summer night this woman named um denise tate denise 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 she left her window open and her front door jarred so that she could get a little breeze through her trailer. She went out in hopes that the place wouldn't feel like an oven when it came back. Mm-hmm. And um, she said when she came home, she f- she was pleasantly surprised because it was very cool. But she found something really alarming in her house. There were ropes tied to the corner of all of her bedposts. Like, well, it's time to leave. So she searched the house. She found nothing. She found nothing of indication that somebody had broken in. She untied the rope. She locked herself in. She went to bed and decided, I'll call the cops in the morning. Yeah, good plan. She went to sleep, kind of thinking, you know, they're just going to dismiss me. I'm probably just being silly. She wakes up in the morning. She calls the authorities. She gets in touch with the one investigator. And he's like, oh, ropes around. Yep. Uh huh. Yeah, you should get the fuck out because someone's gonna probably try to kill Why you. Why would you be so nonchalant? You come to your home that was locked, 
No, it wasn't locked. Remember, she left the door open and the window open. Oh, okay. I don't. I missed the door thing. I thought it was just all the windows. She left the front door open and a window oh. open to get a breeze through the trailer. Ah, yeah. So and she wide came back. Open. Yeah, she. But because they live in a small town. Yeah. Either way, either well, a even in a small town, it's fucking stupid. Yeah, agreed. Um, I still wouldn't do that here. But also, <laughs> also, um, anything. That has been added to your home while you weren't there or uh, expecting someone. Yeah. That's going to be a no for me, dog. No. Especially if it's creepy things like rope on the bedpost. You know what I would do? Get rid of the bed. Would never have bedposts yeah, again. Like, ooh, you would just feel, it would be so. Ugh. After doing murder up, I never want bedpost again. Um. <laughs> Why would you not call the cops right then I, and I don't there? Know. I, it seems like you would do it that moment. Like, hi, cops. Can you come to my house? Something I don't think I would have fell asleep. They show up. Hi. You see that? In this weird? I didn't put that there. Isn't that super fucking weird to mm-hmm. you? Yes, I agree. Mm-hmm. 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 But no, none of that. We'll just, uh, no. you know, we'll just go to bed. No. 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 So anyway, she calls the authorities who are super familiar with ropes that, being tied yeah. around the bed and one of the guys on the case has uh the who's on the um who's a cop now and is now been assigned to the case went to high school with wayne and is actually one of the guys that talked to the cops in high school about wayne saying that he had killed donna oh shit so he was like as soon as he heard ropes on bedpost he was like his ears perked up. Yeah, Wayne, super much. So he looks up his old friend and he finds out that Wayne's in town and he's got two jobs. He's working at Conklin Furniture during the day, um, delivering and doing warehouse work, and that he was working part-time bouncing at the cabin, of course, where his mom had worked and where Bill was working as a bouncer as well. Family affair over at the cabin. His dad? Uh, brother. His brother. So the brothers are bouncing Got at the it. place where the mom used to Got work. it. Yeah. So Wayne's pretty good at bouncing, and he's decent at his day job, though a lot of people said that, a lot of females said that he wouldn't really, he was not really good at picking up the hint of, I'm not interested. He hit uh, on a lot of girls, and they turned him down a lot, and they he did not get that. Okay. You're pasty with fiery <laughs> hair. It goes no without one saying, likes you. It goes without saying yes. that none of these chicks are interested. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And then you're a weirdo on top of it. Super weirdo. Super you're weirdo. Probably, like, I can't imagine what he's wearing now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, he's dressed really cool. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then God really did him a, a lot of favors. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, no one suspects him. I mean, the... People suspected him of Donna's, but a lot of people didn't suspect him of other things, except for like the people who were like, like this guy on the police force who's like, I think you are doing all of this because it's all familiar. We don't need to uh, suspect you of doing more than just one thing. One will be enough. Well, the problem is, is they just couldn't find any actual evidence to tie him to the crime. So you can, you just don't know how to use it. Well, yeah. I mean, that's what they were. such a shame. Yeah. It's just. It's one of those things where it's like, it's just unfortunate that at the time you couldn't, yeah. like you even, you actually had it then, you just For couldn't sure. do it. So if a couple of years go by and there are some minor issues, break in, some weird run-ins with some a drunk man around town, quote unquote. But it's not until Christmas Eve in 1984 until there's an actual other body. So almost four years later. 
There's a female that's around the age of 16. She's found um, in a state of advanced decom- uh, decomposition in uh, her body's found in a shallow grave by a hiker. They can't find identification for her, so they just nicknamed her Debbie Deer Creek, and it was determined she died from um, three gunshots to the head. What they did confirm was that this girl was last seen with Wayne, who had taken her in, quote-unquote, after a trucker had left her in the area. But when the authorities went to talk to to him, he said, well, I haven't seen her since September. Why don't they just... I mean, I guess you can't There's hold him. There's nothing to hold him on. You can't on. hold him. You can't go. There's nothing to charge him on. You can't, and you can't hold him in, unless you charge him. That's what I mean. You can't good cop, bad cop him for like 24 hours and just make him crack. You can do it for a certain amount of time, but, but I think to, he was not cracking. Him. Can't hold him for that long. Exactly. Got it. Um, so in February 1985, um, Remember Betty Beavertail? Yes. Her remains are finally identified as a local 15-year-old named uh, Devana Nelson. It's not really, again, determined what's happened to her, but her she's finally identified. So she's identified, but we still have um, Debbie Deer Creek, who isn't. And then in September of that same year, a skeleton of a mixed Asian woman is found, and they gave her the nickname of Christy, Christ, Christy Crystal Creek. She had been shot with two bullets, and it was believed that she had died years earlier. Damn. So there's now two unidentified remains we've now identified another remains but we still don't know what's happened and all of these are still unsolved in a small town yeah and they're all in this town right Mm -hmm. yeah all within the within the area of missoula yeah on december 12th about an hour from missoula the county sheriffs found a double homicide at the home of mike and Teresa shook the couple had been tied up stabbed to death and then their house had been set on fire um, Teresa had been found in the bedroom and her husband was in the living room. Both had been stabbed several times and the couple's small children and the other children, they, so they had three small children mm-hmm. and they were babysitting a neighbor's child while the neighbors were out on a date. And so all the children were still in the house when the, when these Mike and Teresa are killed, didn't kill. and then the house is set on fire with them, with the children the- in it. Oh, luckily, no. the couple came home, came to Mike and Teresa's house to pick up their child as the house is going up, kind of going up and they get in and they're able to get the kids. All out. the kids. Out? Yeah. So all oh, the kids are saved. Wow. Yeah. Um, so they're able to get the, the I know, isn't it? And so then later, of course, it's determined that four months earlier, Wayne had delivered furniture to the family um, that had been purchased at Conklin's, the place he worked. Uh, or excuse me, Conlins, and um, missing from Mike and Teresa's home was a ceramic elk and a knife. And that Christmas, George was gifted a ceramic elk from Wayne. Which one's George? His father. The dad. The dad. So he stole this thing and then gave it to his father. Oh, so there's right. But th- that's the that's actual evidence that he killed these two cup this couple. Oh, oh, uh, daddy's going to want this. Yeah. So a little less than a year later, in September 1986, Doug and Chris Wells entered um, Conklin's and they bought furniture. On September 3rd, they had it delivered. And during the appointment, they spoke with the delivery driver, who was Wayne, who they said was, uh, who appeared friendly to the neighbors around them. Um, They said that they were standing in the front yard of the house and that eventually Wayne um, asked for a flashlight because he 
uh, needed to borrow it to look for something he had dropped under his seat in his van. And Doug said, yeah, sure, you want to come in the house while I, I grab it. Um, Chris will get you some water. So Doug, Chris, and Wayne enter the house. Doug and Wayne go into the garage with Doug leading. And as soon as they enter the garage, Wayne knocks Doug in the back of the head, knocking him out. Fuck. He ties him up, and he goes back into the house, overpowers Chris, ties her up, and takes her to the second floor bedroom. He then goes back to the garage, gets Doug, takes Doug down to the basement, stabs him in the chest, leaves him to die, and heads upstairs to rape Chris. Doug is a gunsmith, and he uses his basement to repair guns. So though he's badly wounded, he's not dead. And he's able to get free of his ties. He grabs a gun that he has most recently repaired, which only has one bullet in it. And he heads upstairs. As he comes upstairs, Wayne's, of course, raping his wife. And he can hear Doug coming. So he's like, oh, I'm going to go out and just fuck this guy up. He's, like, bleeding to death, right? Wayne comes out into the hallway and then realizes Doug's standing there with a rifle pointed at him. Doug aims, fires, hits Wayne directly in the abdomen. It kind of knocks him back, but it doesn't take him out. Oh, and Wayne has on. a revolver. Headshot. headshot. Headshot, headshot, headshot. Yeah. So Wayne grabs his revolver, Fuck me. lunges towards Doug. He fires three shots at Doug, but they're wild. And oh. only one of them kind of grazes Doug's knee. Doug takes the rifle, uses it a club, is a club, and just starts beating Wayne over the head with it, not giving up. He just starts wailing on Wayne Mm -hmm. with this rifle. And finally, Wayne drops the revolver. And Doug's able to um, grab it as he's still hitting him in the head. And Wayne starts basically convulsing. Let's fucking go, Doug. (laughs) Let's go, baby. And Doug takes the rifle and fires Wayne like three shots into Wayne's head. Yeah, motherfucker. God, I wish most of the stories ended like this. This shit never happens on this show. I know. Ever. That's why I wanted to tell you this story. Fucking ever. So during all of this, Chris is able to free herself and she calls 911 while her husband is fighting with Wayne. All three are rushed to the hospital. Doug and Chris make full... What happened to her? What do you mean? I mean, why was she rushed to the hospital? Because she was raped. And and she was raped and attacked. Uh, I'm sure she had some... I'm sure he well, probably no, beat her. He I didn't just, stab her or anything. That's what yeah, I was no, no, wondering. No, 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 no. I, I didn't think he was that, uh, just raping her. She had gotten no. It was more yet. than probably just attack wounds and stuff. I mean, I realize you still want to go there, well, but yes. r- like rushed. I don't. With I think just rushed your with husband. Doug. That's been st- yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. got it. Um, I think why not rush you all? <laughs> but they all go to the hospital. Doug and Chris make full recoveries. Wayne dies the next day. Oh, man, I wanted him to suffer way more, but I, I still like it. Yeah. I, I like it. Yeah. So since he died, this is why this is a little different than what we normally cover. I always do convicted, confirmed, you did these stories. But since Wayne died, he was never officially convicted of any murders. Obviously different than what I normally cover. But after his death, the authorities searched his place. They found hair belonging to um, the 1984 body that was found, the one uh, Debbie Deer Creek, and um, it was determined in 2006 that she was actually Marcella um, Bachman, who was a 16-year-old runaway from Vancouver, Washington, and he killed her. Mm. Her brother had actually been searching for her since she went missing, and he suspected she had met the fate of another serial killer, Gary Ridgway, but it was actually Wayne. And some other people, some other evidence like that tied him to these cases. So even though he wasn't fully convicted of it, there's evidence that he did 
actually now there's not evidence for like the attorney and maybe the little five-year-old but for the unnamed women and then donna and then Teresa and mike the the couple he yeah. killed and then sat their house on fire he did do all of those obviously yeah um so crystal um crystal creek the one body it has still has not been identified so she's the only one un- unidentified Damn. but the rest of them have been and that is the tale of the missoula mauler wow yeah Wowzers. Yeah, I thought this was I, I thought this one was interesting because it's the only like one of the only times a serial killer has ever been and fucked by I his know, own victim. We finally get a movie ending. Mm-hmm. Finally, finally, because normally it's like this is what would happen. He opens the door. He sees a guy standing there holding a rifle at his face. He shoots. It grazes his cheek. He pulls out his revolver and puts six shots into the dude's fucking chest. Yeah, I mean, continues to rape his wife and then cuts her throat. Yeah. I mean, Doug goes up there with one bullet. Yeah, but that's all it takes. But that's what I'm saying. He went up there with what that's it is a movie ending. That's he went up there I mean. with one bullet and didn't headshot it. The only the only well no, I like all of him getting beat to beat death. Beat to death, that's, yeah. That's pretty sweet. I mean, but in a he movie, got beat he, would say he got something. beat till he started convulsing. So that's pretty fucking bad. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, he did not go But if it was a movie, it would have right right between the fucking eyes. That's true. And then grabbed the shorty and one. hauled off to the hospital. Yeah. Um with a big blanket. <laughs> yeah, with a big blanket. Uh yeah, but that is uh I, I thought that it's one of the only times that a serial killer ever yeah, I like got it during dig that ending. I'm glad that they both dig survive. It. Yeah, I, I, as and soon as I got to survive. the end, I was like, sweet. Yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah. So the references for this was Wikipedia, Murderpedia, MiamiHostChronicles.com, Morbidology.com, and To Kill and Kill Again, which is a book by John uh, Costin. It's good. It's again one of those that's like, let me do some spruce it up yeah let me spruce it up and put stuff in where it's like there's no way you knew that but yeah um still good still good for the facts sweet yeah so that's it it's a good story thanks anything else uh Uh, i guess it's a vibe it's a vibe yeah new pod new pod religious pod well (laughs) bible pod yeah Yeah. we'll be giving the whole bible some shit yeah yeah um with your Lovely host, Holly and Daniel. Yay. And uh, if you want to get in touch with us, what? No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, if you want to get in touch with us, it's just Murdup Podcast on everything. uh, Murduppodcast at gmail.com. And um, anything else? No. But I think a good way to to finally summarize it's a vibe is the Bible gets the Murdup treatment. There you go. Yeah. The Bible Murdup style. So if you dig this shit, yeah. you will dig that. Yes. Yes. Um, so go and listen to that. And uh, Theoretically, we should be putting that out on Sundays. I mean... Taking motherfuckers to church. Probably be... Well, we could do that. But, we, um, we could do church I, hour. <laughs> but I like it having no schedule. But maybe Well, I mean, I went to church twice on Sunday, once on Monday, once on Wednesday, and once on Thursday. So oh, Sweet <laughs> Lord. You poor girl. <laughs> so you really could do it whatever you want. Um, Wednesday, third, yeah. Yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> but it'll be getting put out. Yeah. So. And uh, we don't know. You could you can check it out. By the time you're hearing this, it should be on iTunes should and be. shit. But if not, you can go to murduppodcast.com slash. It's a vibe. It's a vibe. Yep. 
Um, I think there's a hyphens in between it's uh, and by, but that's it. You can find it. Yeah, super you can easy. Hunt it down. It's on the website. Alrighty. And um, so if you are still quarantined or if you aren't quarantined, do it. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I, this is getting tiresome. So. Uh, well, I think we got a lot more ahead of us. So yeah, but I just uh, hope everyone's happy if, yeah. as they can be and staying healthy and making smart decisions. Oh, I know what we were going to say. If you want to take all this time at home to rewatch or finally watch Game of Thrones. Yes. Please let us accompany you through Th- Throne Thugs. Yes. Which you can find on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Um, we did, we watched the entire show and did podcasts for every single episode. Yeah. And it is hot, hot heat. It's a rewatch show. So it's, it's just us being super familiar. So, yeah, you know, it is a little spoiler alert. It is. But um, at this point, I would assume that if you've never seen the series, you still, you may probably know like you probably know some of the big big things big that things, happen or you still won't understand it anyway yeah that's true um but you know the thing is is if you need you need help finding out who somebody is or if you haven't watched the show in a long time yeah or you never give the show a chance give it a chance yeah give it a chance you yeah. got lots of time now yeah but uh yeah that shit is out there mm-hmm. if you want to give that a listen we miss that show yeah it was super fun and we'd like people to still listen to it yeah so if um, you wish yeah if you wish so check Check that out and um, check out our other show and uh, just stay Stay clean. Stay focused. Stay at home. Yes. Stay entertained. We'll be trying to put Mm -hmm. more shit out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Stay stay silly. Stay goofy because you need to have uh, happiness to keep your mental health right now. As much as this sucks, it could always be worse. Yeah. Like if you're at home with the groceries you've got and you got some Netflix and you got music to listen to and your phone to be glued to for a while. You could have none of that. Yeah. And that would suck fat balls. Yeah. Uh, so just appreciate what you have. Yep. And we'll get through it. Yep. And we'll see you next week. We'll see you at the next one. Bye. Later. Later.